I'm Jem. You've tuned in to my live video podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor, Hotbox Vintage. Hi, I'm Delilah, and I own Hotbox Vintage in South Pasadena, California. At Hotbox, our goal is curating vintage pieces that you can't live without. Our collection includes everything from the 1940s to even the early 2000s. What excites us is eclectic and unconventional style since there's no one-size-fits-all approach to fashion. Hotbox is priced for accessibility so that literally anyone can discover some vintage gems of their own. Plus, it's sustainable. Find us on Instagram and use code RAGHOUSE at checkout for 20% off your first order at hotboxvintage.com. 20%? That's a good discount. I'm back. You're watching my Life of Gem video podcast based on my blog of the same name. Check out my Life of Gem Facebook page for the live stream of this video podcast so you don't have to find it every week. And you can see all my stories that I post. There's about 10 years of stories on my blog, so check it out. And if you want a video podcast, contact my producer, April Duran with Raghouse Media. You won't be disappointed. She's amazing. She's awesome. Now... We have a luscious literary episode for you today. It's about one of my life loves, creative writing. It's one of my passions. I'm going to read a story of mine called Movie Time. It's actually the first story I ever wrote. It started out as my dad's eulogy, and then I turned it into a short story. Then we're going to have a call-in interview of Christina Guillen, who is one of the marketing assistants and programs coordinator for the Inlandia Institute. And for those of you who don't know what the Inlandia Institute is, it is the Inland Empire's arts organization. It's a nonprofit. Christina is also a writer, so she's going to be a really interesting guest. First, let me read my story. So my story, Movie Time, was originally published, let me give credit where credit is due, in the As Us Literary Journal, which was co-founded by someone from the Inland Empire, a poet named Cassandra Lopez. She's from San Bernardino. I also read this story, Movie Time, at Stanford University for the inaugural issue of the journal. So let's start the story. It's called Movie Time. We're getting ready to go to the Mission Drive-In. The four-screen theater is just off Holt and Central. It doubles as a remate, or a swamp meet. On the weekends, my best friend Melinda and her dad work at the swamp meet selling used bikes. Tonight, me, my dad, and my sisters are going to watch a movie called Tron, about a guy stuck in a video game. Me and my sisters wanted to see something else, but dad loves science fiction. Last weekend, dad took us to see Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. It was pretty good. Ricardo Montalban from Fantasy Island played the villain. Mom never gets to go with us because she's always working. Mom says Saturday nights are the best nights for tips. She's a waitress. Um, the one time Mom did go to the drive-in with us, she got into a fight with my dad and got out of the car, and we almost missed the movie because of her. We're at home still, and Dad is in the kitchen popping popcorn in a cast iron pot. We watch as he turns on the flame. He waits a minute and then pours in a cup of canola oil. The trick is letting the pan get hot, he says, Jenny. As soon as a kernel pops, he 
He starts shaking the pot, holding down the lid with a sweat-stained rag. We can hear the kernels popping, and our eyes follow my dad's hands as he dumps the popcorn into a double-bagged Stater Brothers brown paper bag. He melts down a stick of margarine and looks at me and says, This is the good stuff, Jenny. Dad pulls the salt down from the cupboard and hands it to Jackie, who shakes it all over the popcorn. Jackie grabs a piece of the freshly salted popcorn and he slaps her hand. Come on, Dad, just let me have a little bit, she says. My dad winks and fills a bowl with the popcorn and me and my sisters grab at that. Dad turns off the television set and yells, Time to go, girls. Grab the lawn chairs. As Dad walks outside, he starts packing up his truck with the required blankets. Jackie and I scramble into the back of his pickup truck, which has a camper on it. Annie climbs into the passenger seat of his pickup truck, struggling with the styrofoam cooler filled with Shasta Cola and Budweiser. Give me that, my dad says. He takes the cooler from her hands and puts it in the middle of his seat. He takes out a Budweiser. He's already had a couple. He drinks one on the way to the drive-in. As he starts driving, he says, okay, girls, duck down. Because we know we have to duck down under those packing blankets because it'll save him some money. Jackie says, Dad, put it on Kiss FM. Dad makes a face and he pops his Loretta Lynn out of the eight-track player. Our lips are sealed, comes on the radio, and Jackie and I start singing in the back seat. Can you hear them? They talk about us. Telling lies, well, that's no surprise. I'm Belinda, I tell Jackie, grabbing my hairbrush. You can be Jane Wilden or the drummer. Jackie makes a face. Why do you always get to be Belinda, she asks. Because I'm the oldest, I say, and I hand her two straws for drums. At the ticket kiosk, a young kid asks my dad how many. Dad holds up two fingers, pointing at Annie, and hands the kid four crumpled $1 bills. We pull into a space close to the screen and pull out our lawn chairs. We line our chairs up in a row as Dad adjusts the static-filled speakers. As soon as the movie comes on, no one says a word. We're not allowed to talk during the movie, and we don't want to. Occasionally, we stick our hands into the bag for more popcorn, wiping our oil-stained fingers on the packing blankets. Dad is passed out in the driver's seat by the time the movie credits roll. Annie shakes him awake, and before long, he starts up the pickup truck to take us home. He only swerves a little, singing to Johnny Cash. When we get home, it's after 11, and all the windows are dark. Mom must be sleeping, I think, to myself. Then I see her standing there in her red shirt and black pants. I can't tell if she's mad or not. I feel Jackie tense up beside me. Annie tiptoes down the, hall- down the hallway into her room. Mom says in her nice voice, Girls, did you enjoy the movie? I say, yeah, Mom, it was great. Dad says, Judy, do you want me to make you something to eat? Mom and Dad sit down at the table. Jackie kisses Dad on the cheek. 
We never kiss mom. She doesn't like it. I pad down the hallway, crossing myself as I pass the plaster Jesus. Slipping under the covers, I can hear the oil sizzling as dad fries up a pork chop for mom to eat. That's my story. Movie time. So I hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, that started out as my dad's eulogy. It really was a tribute to him, how he used to take us to the movie theater. And because my dad, I love movies, which means I love anything related to movies and writing. So now we're going to call my guest caller. Let me tell you a little bit about her first. Christina Guillen is the program's coordinator for the Inlandia Institute. She's going to tell us all about the great work that Inlandia does in the Inland Empire to expand the literary art scene. And in full disclosure, I serve on the board of directors for Inlandia. So that's just a disclosure. Christina is a writer who lives in Rubido, California. She is currently the programs coordinator for the Inlandia Institute, as well as their marketing assistant. She studied creative writing at UC Riverside and the University of Central Florida. She has a historical novel she's going to tell us about and a zine, and she loves gardening, salsa, bachata dancing, reading, and painting. So let's call her. Hopefully she answers. I'm a couple minutes early. Christina. Monica, hi. <laughs> hi, is this Christina? This is she. Great. How are you doing? I'm great. So, this is Juanita. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, enjoying this heat and trying <laughs> to stay cool. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I told them that you're the marketing assistant as well as the um, programs mm-hmm. coordinator for Inlandia, but let's get a little bit about you. Tell us about your historical novel. I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I will butcher <laughs> it. So, no problem. Yeah. So, uh, my novel is called Senkiski, and it's a word from the Aztec language, Nahuatl, that means wholeness. So, I really wrote that book as a way to understand my own identity and navigate my own emotions about. Um, cultural differences, culture clashing. It's about a biracial conquistador who gives away all of his riches to understand his roots and his native roots in Mexico. And it's based off of a historical figure um, named Martin Cortez, who is the son of Hernan Cortez and his um, Aztec translator. So it's, it's really about culture. It's about identity. Um, but I kind of take his journey that I have read about in another book about his life. And I um, applied it to my own life to kind of just look at someone else and see what was the first mixed um, Spaniard and Mexican person's journey like. And and after I wrote it, kind of had this whole like um, closure moment (laughs) where I really don't think much about my identity anymore. So it really helped me. Um, And I also did a, a zine that really helped also. It's called Half Moon Hefe. And that one was just, uh, you know, how zines just tend to be whatever you're feeling. Um, yeah. It's not about perfection. It was really a way to help me as an outlet for artwork, drawing, um, whatever little tidbits I wanted to put in there, poetry. 
So um, let me ask um, you this. Yeah. You say yeah. you help, it helped you um, kind of deal with and process your identity. What's your um, makeup as far as ethnicity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, my dad's family comes from Chihuahua, Mexico. Um, he was raised in El Paso, Texas. Uh, my mom's family comes from New York, but their heritage is Irish and Scottish. So Interesting. my parents, is, I mean, so yes, I'm very similar. You know, my my father was Caucasian, German, and Yugoslavian. My mother was Mexican, and her family was wow. um, from um, uh, Mexico, but grew up in Texas and California. So that's interesting. We have a lot in common. Oh. Um, wow. So the zine yeah. uh, and the historical novel, are those available anywhere? Um, actually, the zine is available right now at... Uh, the there's a DIY store in Riverside and now I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, but they do um, all handmade items by Riversideans or Inlandians. You can send me that information later and I can post it on my Life of Gem page. You're also a certified medicine woman. Is that right? Not quite. I'm still on the journey to becoming, but I... I've been studying with uh, the Akova Native American Church for almost three years now, and wow. I did some work before that in other with other practitioners. But this is my first journey towards becoming certified. And, That's amazing. Um, you know, I guess like my own journey with, like I was saying, with my identity and my novel um, helped me so much actually transcend race. I feel like and transcend a lot of emotional things and I want to just help guide other people that whatever they're going through. So that's um, a way to help people on a spiritual, emotional level. And yeah, we'll talk about that more because I really do think writing is a process and you know, the, the whole, at least for me, writing my memoir has helped heal me so much, not just on racial Mm -hmm. issues, but on trauma issues, on dropping out of high school, on Mm -hmm. a lot of shame I felt. Mm -hmm about who I am. And you Mm -hmm. kind of find yourself through the writing is the amazing thing. When you're writing, especially creative nonfiction, you find yourself as you're writing. And then that becomes part of the story. Yeah, it does. And um, well, uh, on that, I would say that um, definitely the process of writing, like Mm -hmm. when I, because since I was doing a historical novel, there was so much research. Like I had to literally um, put my mind in a different time period and just think like they would think or um, consider what what um, what they had to to go, to use at the time because they didn't have electricity they didn't have all the yeah. modern things that we have. Um, so yours is yeah, more of a creative. Uh, would you consider it nonfiction or fiction then? Um. Well, technically, it's fiction mm-hmm. because. It's not all, you know, but I mean, it's based off of my life and, yeah. and uh, uh, the life of this other man. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a blend. Yeah, that's really interesting. But, um, I love those hybrid yeah. kind of novels. You know, um, eventually I mm-hmm. I wrote my memoir, which hopefully will come out next year. But I'm also wor- I want to work on my parents' histories. And I think um, mm-hmm. it, there, you have to take some leaps, right? It's not going to be nonfiction, but it's not necessarily going to be fiction. <laughs> so I, I think those mm-hmm. kind of hybrid novels or memoir and mm-hmm. fiction like merge mm-hmm. together are interesting. Right. I started out writing it at, at a lot more nonfiction. Like I was kind of 
like I uh, had a professor tell me, don't be so historically hysterical. That <laughs> <laughs> um, so was being very, very factual, you know, yeah. and it was almost like inhibited. It was, it was just um, taking up a lot of time from where I could have been coming from a more creative aspect. Uh, so yeah, it, there's like a balance and, and yeah, it's, it's something every writer has um, license to do, you know, just to, to run with it and make it your own. It doesn't have to be, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. You don't have to get so wedded to it. You know, I've, I've learned these tricks of the trade kind of like, you know, uh, acknowledging um, that something may or may not be true. I believe it happened this way. Maybe it didn't. But, you know, this is what I remember. And I think that's OK to do in nonfiction, creative nonfiction. Um, you know, reportage is different. You know, I think nonfiction that's creative, it's called creative for a reason. Right. So tell mm-hmm. us, Christina, about the Inlandia Institute and what you can tell us what you do there and then maybe a little bit about the organization. Mm-hmm. And like I said, disclaimer, I'm on the board of directors. It's one of my favorite organizations. It's literally the cat's meow in the Inland Empire. It has expanded the literary scene, but I'll let you talk about us. T- tell us about it. For sure. So so Inlandia is a really wonderful nonprofit that really tries to highlight new voices and established writers in the Inland area. Um one of the best things about it, I think, is how accessible it is and how open the organization is to new ideas. And, and it's so inclusive to everybody who wants to get involved. Um, you know, the director of Inlandia is very open to ideas. So it's just, it's just very, um, it, it, it feels very freeing, you know, as a writer. And you may not know where to go, how to start. And, and here's this organization that is covering such a large region um, for so many people that may be overlooked yeah. <laughs> compared to the coastline. So LA, really right. Or OC, the cool people. LA, yeah. LA, San Diego, New York, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of like in the shadows, so to speak. Um, so yeah. And, and it's had a lot of recent events with, um, teenagers actually. So we, well, Tell us about that. reaches out to all ages. Yeah. Children, teenagers, adults, um, so for the teens, they just did a, a couple of events. One of one of them was Poetry is Power, um, which was a teen summer camp um, that was supposed to be held in person, but as we all know, it was ha- uh, had to be moved over to Zoom online. Um, it was led by Inlandia's literary laureate Rachel Cruz. Oh, she's um, amazing. She's an amazing professor, and she's um, very active in current events. Um, you know, she brought in all the current events that are happening, got the kids talking and writing and creating. She does a lot with also graphic novel, um, like comic books. So the kids all got, I don't know how she did it, but she pulled it together all online and they got into their separate groups and each separate group was led by a junior faculty member, mm-hmm. which is a, either a graduate student or um, undergrad at, at a local university. And they came up with a lesson, and um, and then at the end, they all got to be published and receive a physical copy in the mail. So that was a really wow. empowering event for all of them. And they had a final culminating event online and got to read their poetry. There was, um, and so some of the advantages for it being online was that there was a contributor from England um, and one from Shanghai. Oh, so it was international mm-hmm. even. So, yeah, it turned out it just started to spread bigger and bigger since we weren't 
designated in just one area, which would have been San Bernardino. So How inspiring, right? As a young uh, teenager to get that kind of exposure to the arts, because, you know, when I was in mm-hmm. high school, you know, we had the theater people, but I was too punk rock for that. And, you know, I, I've always written uh, poetry and prose and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I think it's really cultivating that when people are young so they can see it's, it's a career. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to just be a hobby, mm-hmm. you know? So tell me about some upcoming events. Yeah. I know that mm-hmm. um, Inlandia runs workshops for writers, right? Of all ages. Um, do we have any workshops mm-hmm. coming up for Inlandia? Um, there is a, workshop coming up in august called the flame and that one focuses on live storytelling um in the mock style so live storytelling of a true event that happened to the storyteller that one's led by a theater artist in riverside named stevie taken love stevie (laughs) yes she has a theme for this one called i remember when and it's about the joys of pre-pandemic life so CB um, oh. is taking signups for that right now. So if anybody would like to participate um, and also do a final performance of it, that would be um, possible if you just send your short description of a story that you want to tell. You can send that to my email, which I can give out now or later, whenever. Um, and then... Great. Yeah, um, that's, and that's, I, can, I can tell the listeners right now that I did The Last Flame. It caused a little bit of a ruckus in my family because of the story I wrote. My mom wasn't too happy, but that's okay. I mean, it was a really cathartic story for me about when I dropped out of high school and Mm -hmm. I had never written that story. So it wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, There's still little things I need to iron out if I was ever to publish it. But just being, it's a 10 minute, eight to 10 minute story that you tell without notes. And um, mm-hmm. it's it's very freeing in some ways to take yourself from the wetted from the copy, right? I write down everything pretty much that I'm going to say, but to do mm-hmm. it extemporaneously, it's so different, don't you think, Christina? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I haven't done it, but I again props to everyone that you know, yeah, and and we did or you all did a few practices leading up to it, and yes. each time got better and better, and because it involves so many other things, you know, you have to look at the camera and think about lighting and how you're um, in the moment rather than like just reading off of the screen, like monotone. So yeah, there's a lot um, more to it. And and I really loved your story too, by the way, it was, it was so inspirational and in how you led up into what you do now and how that um, inspires others. Yeah. You know, it's really about flipping Very that cool. narrative. And um, I think writing has allowed me to define myself. I always say that Jem is a character in some ways. I'm not this person, but I would like to be this person <laughs> one day when I grow up, <laughs> when I'm not smoking right. and drinking uh, seltzers at my house on a Saturday instead of writing. So um, <laughs> let's talk about how the pandemic, you talked a little bit about it, about how the pandemic mm-hmm. has impacted Inlandia's programming. So is everything online mm-hmm. now? Yeah, so <laughs> for sure it did impact when, when it all first hit. Um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time just researching, like, how do you do anything online? Because <laughs> everything yeah. we did was live. So it was a, a whole transition. But, um, and and there's three employees. So there's um, Katie Porter, the executive director. There's myself, program coordinator. And then there's another staff member who does um, video production and 
Um, oh, that's good to have. Work in the office. Yeah. Well, because so, you're all yeah, such dynamos too. You know, I remember when Inlandia first started, and we used to do these workshops at the library in this small little room, and there was like 15 of us <laughs> in there, and you, you just wouldn't be able to do that nowadays. So it's great that you have staff, and I know Katie very well, and she's a dynamo, and she's such a great asset mm-hmm. to the organization, as are you. So, um, so g- how do people find Inlandia? Is it through Facebook? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, it's a lot through word of mouth, but also, yeah, Facebook is a real, uh, a lot of people that I've met have found the events on there. So, um, oh, great. And we've tagged that on our Facebook page and social media. Mm-hmm. So what's the best part about yeah. getting to work for such an organization? Um, I think I mentioned it a little bit, but I think it really has to do with the diversity. I, it was the first organization I'd ever worked for that really just blew me away with how, how, how connected it is with the community and wanting to represent everybody here and all, and not just like the events, but like the people that work for the organization, the board members, you know, it was just like inside and out. Um, so inclusive. And for example, some of the presenters, Shonda Buchanan, she wrote a book called Black Indian, a memoir. Um, And we did a a small panel on that for the Culver Center, Conversations at the Culver. And then we also had Luis Fuerte, who wrote, um, Louis, take a look at this. He was the cameraman for Hugh Hauser's TV show, California's Gold. And he, yeah, he came to town and we had to do an encore event because it got, so you know, um, Almost, I would say sold out, but it was free, so <laughs> we had to do a second, second version of that one. Um, and he was uh, scheduled to do another, and we're still in in works with him. You know, hopefully, do an online event. Um, everything's online for us right now. Yeah, and I have to say this, you know, I've, t- I've taken many workshops through Inlandia, and most of them are free or at a very mm-hmm. reduced cost. And during the pandemic, Stephanie mm-hmm. Hammer, who's one of my favorite people in the world, did a workshop for free mm-hmm. on Facebook, and we there was like 10 or 15 of us, and we really did some really important pandemic writing. Tell us about, um, I have a book here I'm mm-hmm. going to hold up, and um, it's called San Bernardino Singing. Did Inlandia publish mm-hmm. this? Let's talk about what Inlandia does as far as publishing. Mm-hmm. That's right. So Inlandia is uh, also a publisher. It's called Inlandia Books, and it's a small publisher. And uh, that was in May when that book was released. There was a seven-day book launch to do uh, that we did, and each day featured a few of the authors, including Jim, <laughs> um, who got to do either a reading or talk about the process of their writing. And we were able to show a few videos of, of authors reading and do some um, book giveaways. So, um, yeah, that, that, that book is, um, represents a pretty large area, San Bernardino, and it isn't quite as well known as some of the other cities. And, um, just so people can, yeah, exactly. Um, it's called San Bernardino Mm -hmm. singing. It's, um, edited by, Mm -hmm. uh, Nikia Cheney. Did I say that right? And, um, and it's, it's an anthology of San Bernardino and Inland Empire writers. And there's poems, there's prose, mm-hmm. there's some pictures. Um, my mom has a copy mm-hmm. that I autographed for her. I have a poem in here. I'm not a poet. I, I would never, because poets are just so great. I, I you know, I, I, I call myself more of a prosist, but um, I have a poem in there that I wrote. So, uh, yeah, it's a great book. And then I think you also uh, recently published another book. 
Right. There, uh, there's another book called Care Stories that was released during um, um, uh, uh, LGBT month. And that one is by Christopher Records. And yes. it was Inlandia's first book of fiction. So he's leading the way for hopefully more fiction writers and fiction works to come. And um, it's an amazing book. I just um, finished mm-hmm. it because I'm going to do a review of it. Mm-hmm. And it's um, some stories that are put together, fictional short stories put together. And it's a, an amazing collection. Um, so mm-hmm. who are some of your favorite writers from the Inland Empire? Um, you know, I really love the quirkiness of Larry Burns. Mm-hmm. A couple of books that he did about Riverside and the Empire, 100 Things to Do in Riverside Before You Die. Oh. <laughs> um, I need to read that. To pick up anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he did a lot of research and found as many things. Um, and his other book that came out, the more recent one, Secret Inland Empire, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. Like just the title just kind of grabbed me. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting to see just when you think you know everything about where you live, there's all these <laughs> other little, little like Easter eggs you can go out hunting for. Yeah. And you know me, I love anyone. I'm going to pick up both of these books that writes about the Inland Empire because it's such a place that is neglected in a lot of literary discourse. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Um. I don't know. I, I guess, you know, we just need to keep on writing and, and getting all these stories out there and let people know we're here. Yeah. You know, there's some big way. names like uh, Susan Strait and some others and um, mm-hmm. um, Alex Espinosa, who's a macondisto, a macondista who is um, now teaching at UC Riverside. He's one of my favorite writers, but I think he's from La Puente, actually. But still, you know, this whole mm-hmm. this whole concept of, you know, L.A. versus the I.E., you know, Montclair mm-hmm. is the Inland Empire and Claremont is L.A. Mm-hmm. County. Uh, they're really the same place, right? We we cross these borders mm-hmm. all the time between L.A. and the Inland Empire. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, there's people that live in uh, Temecula that say they're not in Riverside County, that they're in San Diego County. I'm like, uh, no, you're not. I know the border. You're in Riverside. But they don't like, you know, there's a lot of stigma. You know, I did a, a panel with Liz Gonzalez and a couple of other people from the Inland Empire, and we were trying to kind of change that narrative of the Inland Empire mm-hmm. as a negative place. Like, why is why is everything written negative? This is a very positive place with positive people. And it's really one of the most diverse landscapes, both demographically and uh, geographically that there is in California, right? We have the desert, the mountains, we have everything mm-hmm. in the Inland Empire. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, so Inlandia, people can find it on Facebook. It's a nonprofit. They do take donations um, as well. So I just wanted to tell people that um, it's a great organization. And do you have any final thoughts for us, Christina? Um, I would just suggest if you haven't heard about Inlandia, head out to the website or the Facebook, or if you have, um, any other social media, Twitter, Instagram, start following Inlandia. There's always something to get involved with. And, um, also the writing workshops are so amazing. They're online now too. Um, and, and anything that you or anything that anyone would like to get involved with as far as their own writing, um, you know, this is a great foot in the door. And, and, and the teachers, right? All these <laughs> the teachers yeah, that the teachers teach. are great. They're oh my gosh. Professional yeah. writers. So I would just advise that. Just get involved and, you know, and then you'd be more than welcome to speak with you or 
um, you know, get your writing out there. Yeah, people should check out that flame workshop. Check out the other workshops that are on um, the Atlanta Institute's website or on Facebook. They have a Facebook mm-hmm. page as well. You should follow them. They do a lot of um, outreach to the community. And the, the thing about Inlandia that I love the most, and we have about five more minutes we can talk, is that, um, you know, mm-hmm. they cater to so many, you talked about diverse populations. I know they did, um, they worked with the homeless population for writing. They work with the elderly for writing. You've talked about how they work with yeah. teens for writing and you go to these workshops and it's not like, you know, I've done workshops in LA where you sit in someone's, um, you know, classroom and everyone's a hipster and, or they're an actress or an actor. It's not like that. It's like so many different you know, there might be 60 year olds, there might be 20 year olds, there might be 40 year olds like me. Um, so that's what I love about it. And all different colors, sizes and shapes too, which is important. Right. It's, it's just an adventure of collaborating and sharing each other. There's, there's really no competition. You know, everyone has something different to offer and everybody um, is easy, is, is easy to um, easy to get involved. It really is. It really is. Well, thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. You've been amazing. Thank you so much, Jam. And <laughs> thank you to all of your audience. I hope that um, we get to see you around, hopefully in person one day, if not on some of our online events. I know. I know. I really can't wait until this pandemic is over so I can have on live guests. But I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about <laughs> the Inlandi Institute. And I'm going to, uh, can they still buy the anthology on the website? Yeah, so the the books are available on Amazon or Stellar Door Books, which is a local bookseller in um, Canyon Crest, Great. Riverside. By so local. They're available online right now. And mm-hmm. again, it's called San Bernardino Singing, and there's also um, other books that you can look up on the website. Cares. Cares. Mm-hmm. So Care look those stories. up. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Have Take a great care, day. Okay? Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was really interesting. What did you think of that, April? I loved it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Christina's. Uh, she does such a great job at what she does. And I think you really do hear the passion. And the thing about writers and the thing about writing is it really is you just meet the most uh, inspirational people. Since I've been writing for the last decade or so, I've met people that I never thought I would come into contact with, both famous writers, not famous writers, people that do such just outreach into the community, people that have had led these eventful lives and that are more resilient than anyone you've ever met. So now if anyone wants to call in and wax about writing, wax on, no wax off about writing, give me a call. That number to call in is 909-534-5684, 909-534-5684. I can talk to you about what, um, how I started out as a writer, um, which you know, I'll just say that right now is that for me, writing started out when I was a corporate lawyer in Houston and I used to work 14 hour days. And at the end of the day, I would just be so brain dead that I, I, these poems would come pouring out of me and they were mostly about being a miserable lawyer. So they weren't great poetry, but they started coming out. And then all of a sudden childhood stories started coming out in poems and then I would expand them into longer stories. So, and then when my dad died, you know, I wrote this eulogy for him that was just about a drive-in movie theater. So if I was going to make one hint that you could do as far as your writing is take one place 
and write about that place. Wherever you grew up, just take one place from where you grew up and write about it. Because I guarantee you, there will be magic that comes out. And the best thing I use as well is music. I'll listen to songs from the 80s, and it's like me and my best friend Tracy and Melinda are in the South Quad smoking cigarettes all over again. Susie t-shirt, you know, ripped jeans, you know, punk rock tee, combat boots. It's like, oh, just hearing that music in my ears brings a story to mind. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because I'm a music person. You're a music person, right, April? And I think us music people, you know, there's something about... um, music that triggers memories. Other people use photographs. Um, Other people that I know might use a letter that someone wrote them to trigger their memories. So I think it's all about just triggering your memories. And it's not like you have to show this writing to anyone. You can keep it just for yourself at first. And then, you know, you could fictionalize it. If it's something that you don't want to put people's real names in, you could always turn it into a fiction piece. You know what makes you so amazing, Juanita, is that you're very truthful. Mm. You're not afraid (laughs) to speak the truth, which, you know, a lot of people, I know I would be uh, certain situations where if I wanted to write about, I would be really afraid to just throw out the truth, but you are not afraid. That's awesome. (laughs) I think that's so awesome. Well, what they say when you first start writing is you need to leave blood on the page. And I try to leave blood on the page. And sometimes, you know, it, it, bites me in the butt and I get in trouble with, you know, a friend or a family member or my husband, people say I overshare. And, you know, I like to think of it as I share and I try to tell my truth. I try not to tell anyone else's story. These are really just my stories and my perception doesn't mean that there I am telling the literal truth. It's my perception of what happened when I was 15 or 16 or 12 or eight or seven or six. I, my Earliest story is in um, my first day of kindergarten, so I was four. And then my second earliest story, I am uh, five, and me and my twin sister switched classes, and we got caught big time. So that's, you know, I I have a lot of stories, but, you know, I, I really do think it's important to be truthful and to have integrity with what you say. So when I was talking to Christina about the flame that I did a couple, about three or four weeks ago. Um, you know, there's a piece where I messed up the story because I didn't have my notes. And, you know, I might have exaggerated, uh, you know, something, or I might have misrepresented something that I didn't mean to misrepresent. You know, I never spent the night at the park, but I did used to go to the park at night. So that's a thing that you have to have integrity with. And as long as it's not published, you can, of course, fix that. But I think it's really important for me as a memoirist to tell the truth and to get the facts right. So I do a lot of research. If I'm going to quote a song, such as Belinda Carlisle's song, I make sure that whatever age I was, that that song was already out, you know, that I'm not just, you know, because everything kind of merges together is what people don't really tell you when you're writing memoir is that a lot of your memories um, tend to just consolidate and you're trying to pick through them and figure out what's right. So for me, um, you either have to work as an unreliable narrator and acknowledge the fact that some things might not be right or you have to really do your research as a memoirist and make sure that you're getting the facts right. My friend Tracy gave me a bunch of letters that we used to write each other in high school so I could get the tone right, so I could rem- remember my voice mm-hmm. as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, the high school years are the hardest ones for me to write. 
I want to know whose idea was it to switch classes? I bet you it was Jackie's. <laughs> it was Jackie's. It was. Okay. I had to confirm that. <laughs> and I'm going to give away the, the best part of the story is that we got caught because Jackie used to switch her, she used to get her letters backwards. So when, so when we went to the classes, I had to do math and she got to make paper mache cats for Halloween. It was October and she had to write her name on the back. So she tried to write my name and she wrote Juanita, but she wrote the J backwards. So Mrs. Glenn, Mrs. Glenn, you've probably passed now, but you were the bane of my existence. You were so mean. Mrs. Glenn figured it out and came and got me. And she actually hit me with a ruler on my, on my, um, what elementary school is it? <laughs> this is Mary Poso, which is right down the street. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom went down there and raised raised hell. And that's what really the story ends with, uh, with my mom is the heroine of that story. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a whole treasure trove. When you're writing memories, you know, if you wanted to fictionalize it, that would be easy. What's harder is telling these stories of your memories in an authentic way that um, is really truthful that you do your research on it. I mean, that's why it's taken me. I've been working on my memoir for like 12 years at this point, And I, I'm, I need to do another edit of it because I want to make sure it has the integrity that I'm looking for. So I guess we don't have any callers, but that's okay. Um, we have oh, what are the comments? Uh, let's see. We have uh, Judy Mann said, so scared you weren't. I'm guessing that's your mom. So scared you weren't what? So scared you weren't. I uh, she posted that I believe when you were talking about when you were little. Oh, yeah. Also, um, Cindy said sorry I'm late. I couldn't get in on my iPad, but then she says I love your jacket. <laughs> my twin sister got me this at a thrift store in San Diego. So thank you, Jackie. Robin said um, she had trouble too, but she's in. Um, I love that word. Okay, I, I might butcher this. Pros. Prosis, huh? prosis. Uh-huh. I, I love that, that word up. too. You made that <laughs> word up. Okay, we both love that word. Um, City said it's like writer's workshop candy store. I'm, I'm sure she's talking about Inlandia. Yes, it really is. They have fiction, memoir, poetry. Um, they do everything. I mean, everything. If the, moth, which is you know storytelling live without notes. I mean, this is in the IE people, and it's all levels. All levels. That's that was my one main question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Francis said, "Great job, Christina." Uh, and um, Francis uh, Vasquez used to be on the board of Inlandia. I think she's an honorary board member. She's amazing. Oh, she said, "Victim of ruler torture." Laugh out loud. So when you got hit by the mm-hmm. teacher, Mary Posa. Yeah, Mrs. Glenn. You know the the ironic part about that story, and I'll read it. I'll, I'll read it live one day. Is that. Jackie had the nice teacher. Her name was Mrs. S. I don't remember her actual name. That's her name in the book. It's called Mrs. S. And we used to call her Big Bird because she was like a six foot tall woman. And she used to always eat at my mom's restaurant where my mom waitressed. And uh, she just loved Jackie. And I had the mean teacher. Jackie and I actually went to kindergarten twice. So I think we switched teachers because we had to repeat and then we skipped third grade. Oh, very cool. 
Yeah. And the worst part about skipping third grade is that you got to work in the cafeteria. I don't know why we wanted to work in the cafeteria, (laughs) but we really wanted to. And because we skipped, we never got to work the cafeteria line. And then you also got to work it in sixth grade. But then my mom put us in Catholic school. Oh, I don't know why we would want to serve tater tots and pizza and sloppy (laughs) joes to people, but we did. Yeah, we never got to do it. Rosalie said, love hearing your stories. Uh, you know, it, it's hard reading a story live without an audience because you don't really feel that energy you usually feel. But you I do you know, amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very interesting. Also, I tagged um, Inlandia in the comments. Check it Facebook, out, people. And I believe I was having a little trouble tagging their Instagram page, but I think I did it. So I'll fix it yeah. if it's not good. It's called the Inlandia Institute, I-N-L-A-N. D-I-A, if you just put in Inlandia Writers, you'll find all their workshops. You'll find everything. You'll find this book, San Bernardino Singing, which is on Amazon for sale and Care Stories. Um, so our next episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. It's in two weeks. It's going to be on August 12th. And the title is, get this, Witches. Good Witches Only. We only want good witches. I will read my story, Witchy Poo, which I wrote and performed at AWP before, which is a writing conference. And I'm going to have a special guest, one of the most zen women I know, Gina DeVore, a teacher, a singer, and owner of her own tarot card reading company, Blackbird Tarot. I'm so excited because Gina and I have been friends for over 20 years, and she is super cool. I mean, she would definitely be part of my pink lady crew if I had one, which maybe I'll get a pink lady jacket for the next episode. So I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you to Inlandia. Thank you to Christina Guillen for being such a great guest. Thank you to April as usual. Peace. See you on August 12th. Check us out.